Hey, church family. Welcome back to another episode of the Leroy UMC podcast. This week, we're continuing in the series titled The Problem of Pain. Pastor Matthias is preaching on the blind man that Jesus heals and the disciples' reactions of why he was blind to begin with. It's a great lesson for everyone to hear. Oh, friends, this morning we are continuing with our January series as a church family wrestling with a very heavy question this month, wrestling with the problem of pain. In other words, why do bad things sometimes happen? Uh, And as we said last week, the Bible scripture doesn't give us just one answer to that question, but instead scripture has four explanations for why we sometimes feel pain. As we talked about last Sunday, one, because evil is real. Sometimes there are things out of our hands, out of our control that God fights and resists with us. Number two, sometimes it is for a greater good. Three, sometimes because we cause it. And four, sometimes because pain is a mystery. And all four of those explanations are true. And there's a time and place for all four. And so each Sunday this month, we're taking a look at one of those explanations. And this morning, uh, we are taking a look at the second explanation that pain, that struggle and hardship sometimes in grace serves a greater good, some change or some purpose on the other side of the struggle. And we're taking a look uh, at a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. As he walked along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread it on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back up, able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, it is he, and others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I do not know. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. One day, as he was going through the cities and towns of Galilee, Jesus Christ saw someone living in pain. 
John tells us it was a man who had been born blind, a man whose context, whose ancient world had left him with no option other than to sit at busy intersections or at crowded public pools begging for enough charity to just buy food. He had no family, no plans, no hope of things ever getting better, and he had always been like this, passed over, forgotten, stuck in normal, routine suffering. And the disciples want to know why. Rabbi, they ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The disciples want to know the cause of this suffering. Who should they point the finger at? We do the exact same, the exact same thing sometimes. Things fall apart, tragedy strikes, we face some hardship, and the first thing that comes to mind is, who do I blame for this? In response, Jesus immediately and unequivocally shuts down the very thought that this man's pain could be a punishment for sin. Like Job's three friends telling him that he suffers because Job must have done something wrong. Or like a churchgoer today telling a homeless man, well, if you just made better decisions, you wouldn't be in this spot. People can cause unbelievable pain when they blame the victim for their pain. And Jesus will have none of it. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus tells them. But then Jesus tells them something else. Something they don't expect to hear. Something that's difficult to understand and even a bit problematic, but no less miraculous. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but so that God's works might be revealed in him. Instead of entertaining his disciples' inappropriate ideas about sin and blame, Christ directs their attention away from what caused this pain and points them instead towards what God can do with it. And then Jesus does something even more unexpected. Jesus heals him. As bizarre and, well, gross as it may be to us today, Jesus uses a common healing technique of the ancient world. He spits in the dirt, he makes mud, rubs it in the man's eyes, tells him to wash in the pool that he has been begging beside, and when the man comes back up, he comes up a different person. The man regains his sight. In an instant, the man's life has changed. And what's really interesting about this passage is that you're almost meant to get a sense that the man's vision isn't the only thing that changes. But somehow, when Jesus heals him, everything changes. It's like he isn't the same person anymore. The man is so changed that people don't even recognize him. I love the back-and-forth debate in verses 8 and 9 when the crowd debates, is this even the man? No, that can't be him. It's someone who looks like him. And the man has to keep explaining, I am that man. It's me. Christ hasn't just given the man his sight, but new possibilities, new hope, new understanding, new reason. His character, his outlook, his mannerisms, his spirit 
everything has been made new. As tragic, as horrific, and as bitter as it has been, somehow the man's pain and the healing Christ has brought has given him new life. From this man's dark night of the soul, Christ Jesus has found a truly miraculous morning. That's the second explanation Scripture gives for why we sometimes feel pain. Because sometimes God may have in mind some greater good on the other side of our pain. And it's an idea you don't just find here, but all throughout Scripture. Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis, when he's betrayed and sold into slavery by his brothers, but who, because of that, finds himself in a position to save his entire people from famine. And so later tells his brothers, though you intended to harm me, God intended it for good. Or think about Paul's famous line in Romans 8 when he says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And just as important as those scripture passages, I imagine that's an idea that many of us have experienced for ourselves at one time or another. How many of us have faced difficult hardships, endured some dark season of life, been tested by a pain we never saw coming, only to look back later on and realize that that pain made us who we are, made us wiser or stronger, more grateful or more faithful, made us new. Maybe so much so that other people couldn't even recognize us anymore. It isn't always the case with every pain, but sometimes, sometimes it's the most difficult days and the most trying moments that transform us in the most miraculous ways and work the greatest good in our lives. And while I wish that I could wrap it up right there. I could end the sermon on that note of hope. Could say, pain sometimes creates a greater good. Yea, God, amen. That answer isn't complete, is it? The disciples' question hasn't been answered yet. What was the cause of the pain that afflicted that anonymous man all his life? Who was responsible? If not sin, then what? Was it bad luck? Society? Bad choices? Even more frightening, was God responsible for it? Did God afflict the man or allow him to struggle so that God could bring a greater good? To put it in even colder terms, was this man's pain and agony all part of God's plan? As we sometimes hear people say. That's a dilemma that the church and its greatest thinkers have wrestled with for a very very long time. That question goes all the way back to the beginning of our faith. How do you reconcile the fact that, yes, our God does sometimes bring the greatest miracles from the most unbearable pain with the disciples' question, who is responsible? 
In response, some early church thinkers argued that yes, God sometimes does cause or use suffering for a greater good, like a dentist inflicting some pain to remove an infected tooth, or a parent being tough in order to properly mold their child in the right way. And for a while, that answer worked, but it didn't hold up especially not after the 20th century when believers had to reckon with the unredeemable suffering of apartheid, Rwanda, Jim Crow, Dachau, and Auschwitz. Faced with overwhelming evil and loss, theologians came to appreciate there are some pains that are simply irredeemable. There are some pains too deep for anything good to ever come from. But from that awareness came a new understanding, a very different way of looking at things. As the great Russian novelist and Christian thinker Fyodor Dostoevsky, who may have best understood what's really going on beneath the pain of the man born blind and the miraculous change that Christ brought from it, as he expressed in his many stories about struggle and redemption, Dostoevsky realized it isn't that a loving God uses or inflicts pain, but that there is no pain that can stop God's love from working. That's a beautiful thought and one worth repeating. It isn't that a loving God uses or inflicts pain, but that there is no pain that can stop our God's love from working. It's true, Jesus does not explain the reason for this man's pain, just as we rarely know all the reasons for our own pain. Neither the disciples nor we ever get a complete answer to our question, what is the cause? But the good news is that what Jesus Christ does do is to show his followers that regardless of the cause of our pain or the reason for our suffering today, nothing stops God's love from working to bring new life out of every life of pain. It may be that the single most remarkable, the most incredible thing about Jesus Christ's response to the man born blind in John 9 is the fact that when Jesus sees this person living in pain, Jesus has almost no interest in trying to figure out the root cause of this person's pain, but has every interest in the new life that needed to come from it. Jesus' attention, his focus, his love is fixed on the hope of what can be and will be more than on the struggle of what is. In the end, the real hope of this passage is not whether or not this man's pain is part of God's plan. In fact, as a solid rule, 
Don't ever tell anyone who is suffering that their pain is part of God's plan. That is sometimes one of the worst things that we can say to someone struggling. Not only do we have no idea what God's plan for another person's life is, but we can inflict more pain by asking, like the disciples, who is responsible, and then inappropriately trying to help by pointing the finger at God. No, this man being born blind may or may not have been part of God's plan. We don't know and we will never know. But that isn't the point of the story. What matters and what gives us good news is that God's love does not stop working in this man's pain. It isn't whether or not someone's sickness or disease is part of God's plan that matters, but what new hope, new understanding, new faith God can bring from even the most vicious of diseases. It isn't whether or not someone's grief or loss is part of God's plan that matters, but what new meaning, new stories, new life can God draw from any grief? And it isn't whether or not someone's depression, poverty, impairment, oppression, affliction, it isn't whether or not our pain is part of God's plan that matters. But what new vision and what new life Christ Jesus can find on the other side of even the most unexplainable pain. The man that Jesus heals never understands his pain. He never finds out why he has been born blind, why he had struggled in the dark for so long. It's ironic, but also poetic, that his last words in this passage are, I don't know. But when the story ends, there is something new that he does know. He knows that there is one called Jesus who saw him and loved him in his pain. He knows that we can never doubt God's ability to bring something truly beautiful from something truly awful. And he knows that we can never forget that we can never, that nothing can ever stop God's love from working. It's not always the case, but sometimes it's when we struggle in the dark that we are most clearly able to see the light of the world that changes us. And it's when we find ourselves stuck living in pain that Jesus, the rabbi from Galilee, sees us and reaches out to make our life of pain into a life of love. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us. I pray you have a safe and blessed week. Go in peace.